This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Manchester United 1, Manchester City 6, it's 2 for Dzeko. Tottenham Hotspur 3, Manchester City 4. They have made the impossible possible. Hello and welcome back to the City Report podcast. I am Amos Murphy. And I'm Adam Booker. There's a chill in the air. Winter is coming. I'm I'm delighted to say actually for the first time I've got my cardigan on, little woolly cardigan. I've got the window shut, um, more than one layer on, which is uh, obviously appropriate for a podcast as well. But just feeling a little bit of a chill in the air in the Mancunian air today. It's a, it's a sign of uh, a sign of things to come. Hopefully, it's been a, it's been a hot summer. Yeah, it has. Uh, I'm still waiting for the cold to come to Portland. We've it's it's cooled down a little bit. We've got a little like warm kick again for the mm. next week. But um, I think you know, like w- I've said many times, we have pretty similar weather to you guys. So once it kind of yeah, the gray clouds move in and the misty rain moves in, then it doesn't really stop until next summer. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. But the good the good news for me is I'm only an hour drive from being in like negative temperatures Celsius. So I can, <laughs> I can get up there and escape anytime I want. Yeah. Yeah. Escape the humidity. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Cause as soon as you have a, a hot summer and obviously I was at as hot as yours, but it's still comparatively warm. Um, you, you always long, I suppose, for those for those long summer nights. The, the nights are drawing in just about here. It's getting dark around probably about half eight ish, nine ish. And, and I, I just feel as if you get to like, November and you're like oh yeah do you remember summer that was so fun see I don't I'm an absolute bat 
wet, dank, and wet, dank, and dark is how I want it to be at all times. Yeah, I, I, I can get behind that for about nine months in the year because I do have a lot of nice winter clothes. I like to wrap up in scarves and whatnot, but I do feel as though, like, especially these first couple of months, as nice as it is being a little bit colder that sort of September, October, it's always a weird feel. I don't know if it's because, I don't know if it's the same for you, but over here, that was always the time you went back to school. And it, it there's this sort of sense mm. of like the, the seasons are changing a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. For, for me, it was the pool would open. We had a pool in our neighborhood. Right, a swimming pool. Yeah, a swimming pool, like for the for the community. And that was yeah. like, okay, that's, that's what this weather means now. But yeah. yeah, I've already declared to Laura, like, I won't do another summer like this past one. So uh, about June 1st, I'm packing up my bags and going up to Alaska and living <laughs> in an igloo. I won't do it again. Yeah, yeah, seems fair enough. Um, right, okay, football then. Um, what are we... Um, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil, Manchester City three. I think that little side before says a little bit you need to know about this game, but we'll we'll get into it because there are some talking points. Um, a goal from Jack Grealish after 55 seconds, too much fanfare online and, and elsewhere. We'll dig into his performance and, and what it means a little bit later on. Um, Erling Haaland, obviously, as is customary at the moment, getting on the score sheet as well. And then Phil Foden capping off what, for me, has been a stellar couple of weeks on the football pitch after some doubts over his performances as well in the second half to make it 3-0. Um, I don't think it was the best performance, but City got three goals and, and you know, that that's all that matters in the end. But what were your main takeaways from the game, do you feel? No, I totally agree. It's, it's a weird one because... You know, a lot of great things happen. You know, Jack Grealish gets on the score sheet after kind of a week of criticism. Holland gets another goal. Foden gets a goal. Um, you know, City keep a clean sheet. And and on the surface, it, it's funny. I, I'm, I've only been awake for about 30 minutes now. But <laughs> I went and watched the highlights right before we got on to kind of jog the memory. And I'm like, oh, they really played well in this game. 3-0. I saw the, saw the scoreline and I said, oh, they must have really played well. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, they were they were a bit shit for 75% yeah. of this yeah. game. Um, so, yeah, it was a weird one. It felt like, all right, you, you got out of there, you got a good win, um, and you go into the international break to kind of hopefully reset. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think you're just pleased with a result that didn't match the performance. Yeah, yeah, definitely, especially on on our preview show. I know um, Ollie was speaking about the fact coming off the back of a taxing 90 minutes against Borussia Dortmund where the game essentially went to the wire. It could have been a different story, um, but obviously that that 55 seconds in, Jack Grealish gets on the score sheet. Most people probably wouldn't have even been in the stadium or, or sat down to watch the game. I know over, over there in the US, it was an extremely early kickoff, so some sleepy eyes and uh, I suppose some hallucinations thinking, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, it, the performance was was not the best. It, it wasn't bad at all. It wasn't bad at all, and, and, it, and it didn't need to be good in a way because Wolves were pretty terrible but um, I mean I was looking at some stats actually and the pass accuracy read as at 90% for City which which wasn't that different to any of the recent games but I must go back and check what it was like until the third goal went in because I feel as if at that point it it, it, it sort of when City went 3-0 the, the performance started to click a little bit more and Wolves sat back and we had a lot more of the ball whereas before that there were so many occasions where City just didn't really get going and, and the goals came out of relatively nowhere just moments of brilliance and 
if you look back at the XG from the Aston Villa game where City obviously drew 1-1, it was much higher than this game where they scored three goals. And I think Pep said after the Villa game that it's football, it's football, it happens sometimes. And that really did, uh, that, that really was on show at Molyneux on Saturday. Yeah, it was. And, and you can use the same cliche, that's football. It happens sometimes for this, where it's um, not a great performance, but three great individual goals. I mean, there was obviously multiple players involved in each of the goals, but they were individual mm-hmm. goals, um, you know, kind of tell the tale of the whole game. And But it's another football cliche, the, the kind of classic, that's what champions do and that's what mm-hmm. great teams do is when they don't play very well, they still get a result. And, um, you know, City didn't play very well and they got a resounding result. So it's hard to have any complaints really because you know that this type of performance is going to get rectified this isn't going to be a consistent thing going Mm. forward so if you kind of say right we got that you know kind of lazy performance out of the way but you still get a resounding result from it then you, you can't really take anything but positives from that yeah, sounding a little bit like football managers today, aren't we, with these cliches? Um, a couple of individual performances to mull over then, starting with Kevin De Bruyne. Two assists for him. It's taken his tally to the season for for six now, which is which is pretty incredible. From I think it's seven seven appearances he's made, um, seven goal and assist contributions combined. If you include his goal against Bournemouth, he's also level with one Steven Gerrard for assists in the Premier League, having done it in about nine hundred games fewer. Um, he was given man of the match by BT Sports in the UK. I don't know what the, the broadcasters over in the States, who, who they gave it to. Um, but I don't think he's another one who didn't have the best of games. But as we've seen a number of times in recent years, he can pop up out of absolutely nowhere and get these individual moments of brilliance. Two fantastic crosses that just needed turning into goal basically all the work was done and um yeah you can turn it on in an instant and, and we're really seeing that this season I think he's not having the best of performances you know there's not been a game so far this season maybe Bournemouth but other than that where you go that he was completely unplayable his best moments have come in in sort of individual slices here and there yeah and that's kind of a normal thing with him um you mm. know he'll go through these periods where he's kind of up and down up and down um, and we'll see little little bits of individual quality that we obviously know he has and, and individual brilliance. And then um, whatever it may be, whether it's a couple games rest or an international break, and he'll come back and he'll be um, totally, totally mm. unplayable. And I think we're probably going to see that this season like we have at some point. But with Erling Holland in the mix, um, his individual his his little moments of individual brilliance are going to be kind of increased tenfold because now he's not squaring the ball to yeah. uh, empty empty penalty boxes so you know if you think about the years past in which we'd said oh if he had a striker he'd a shatter the assist record well <laughs> we're probably on our way to that this year so eventually it'll it'll kind of click and we'll see full 90 minute performances from him and when we do it's going to be pretty terrifying you'd have to say just based on the numbers he's putting up so far this season already yeah, yeah. Obviously, you mentioned Harlan there, and we'll speak about him now. But both of De Bruyne's assists, remarkably, not coming to a to a Harlan goal on the weekend. Just gone, obviously, Grealish and, and Foden as well. So, um, still a little bit more that that those two can be doing if we're being uber critical. But in terms of Harlan, fourteen goals in all competitions now, eleven in the Premier League. I mean, I won't waste time listing off all the teams he scored more than because it's almost half the league. But it was the first real time we've seen him run at a defence and slot home from outside the box, which 
I think is a little bit important compared to you know what what the goals we've seen so far. It's a sight that we became so familiar to seeing in Brushy Dortmund, yellow and black. But so far in a, a City shirt, it's been one touch goals inside the box and, and not easy finishes. By the way, I'm not diminishing the sort of the quality of the chances that that goal against Dortmund itself is is an absolute art form but it's a different side to his game and one we knew existed but really still encouraging sorry to see uh to see come to come to the forefront in a city shirt yeah and I think it's as simple as saying that he just doesn't have the time and space to be able to do that anymore because Mm. he had a lot more time and space in the Bundesliga to run at defenses and um you know if you go and look at his uh on the Bundesliga's YouTube page they've got his entire goal catalog uh up there and if you watch them, 60% of them maybe start yeah. at midfield um, and he's getting, you know, kind of fed in behind and um, he's not going to get that time and space in the Premier League. And it's not because the Premier League is a more difficult league or blah, 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 blah. blah. It's the fact that against City teams are going to sit really, really deep and he's going to be basically sitting on the penalty spot for 85% of his City career. Mm. Um, he's not going to be seeing the ball much at midfield like he was in um, in Germany. So yeah, it's great to see. And it's just a reminder that he has that in his game and the kind of, um, you know, tap in merchant criticism, which is absolutely ridiculous and made up by 13 year olds. Um, that, that kind of criticism is irrelevant because he obviously can do it from outside of the box as well. He just doesn't need to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, Tapping merchants obviously used as a derogatory term. I'd love to be a tapping merchant in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, how many it's, goals it's are you going to get? It's such a unique a... skill. Yeah, and it's a hard skill. It's a really hard skill. Yeah. Um, but but obviously things were made a lot easier for City with um, Nathan Collins is. I'm hesitant to call this a tackle. Um, it, it's probably if you did it on the street, GBH. To be honest, it's it's uh, it was a, a nasty, nasty foul. Um, I'll read you out this tweet then from Mike Parry um, on Twitter at Mike Parry Eight, uh, who, who's remarkably the, the best bit about this is the fact that he's attached a screenshot of Nathan Collins's sort of studs going into Jack. Grealish's chest but he says this was never a sending off offence it's not a red card tackle and ludicrous to describe it as a kung fu kick whilst he's performing a kung fu kick Nathan Collins focused on the ball and not Jack Grealish as the ball's gone past Nathan Collins who says you can't try for possession of the ball in midair Grealish made a meal of it Adam is that the worst tweet on the app of all time Um, it's up there yeah it's up there I if I'm driving down the road and I'm focused on, you know, going through an intersection and I'm focused on a tree and I run over a little child, just because I was focused on the tree doesn't mean that I didn't run over the little child. Yeah. I still yeah. murdered a child. So yeah. just because he's he's focused on the ball and his intention was to get the ball, but he nearly kicked his leg all the way through Jack Grealish's stomach and back out the other side doesn't mean that he didn't kick through Jack Grealish's stomach. So I, this was one where it's been a long time, but we saw universal agreement mm. over, other than from one section of fans, not even Wolves I mean, the Wolves fans in the stadium, but it's you can give a little bit of leeway to people in the stadium because they don't get replays and yeah, you know it's yeah, kind of yeah. you're caught up in the whole support my team at any cost. It doesn't matter mm. you know what logic comes into it. Um but it was kind of the first time in a long time we saw universal agreement over this red card challenge. Yeah. And somehow, 
I'm not sure how, but somehow Sadio Mane's red card all the way back in 2017 has something to do with this. I'm I'm not quite sure how this gets brought up like every single week. Yeah. I see a screenshot of Sadio Mane perfectly cropped to show that he's not <laughs> levitating eight yards yeah. in the air. Um, yeah, it was as clear a red as red gets. And there is, you know, there was no complaints from the Wolves. There was no complaints from Nathan Collins, which I think is the biggest thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Wolves yeah. players were complaining. I think they were caught up in the kind of the energy of the crowd. The partisan and, side, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we saw the reports afterwards that, that Collins hung around for like 30 minutes waiting for, for Grealish to do post-game interviews, and he went and apologized to him. You don't yeah. you do not do that unless you know you're guilty. So, no, yeah, yeah, it was pretty blatant. Yeah, um, obviously he was he was sort of tearful, wasn't he, Nathan Collins? And and I thought he had a fantastic start to the season. Wolves' best trait is their defensive stability, and it's a moment of madness. What made me laugh, as you mentioned, the Sadio Mane screenshots. If you see, you've seen, you must have seen that meme where it's that guy pointing to himself in the mirror, like get in there and, and make this about you. you you've seen yeah. it, haven't you? Yeah, that that that's what springs to mind when I see certain certain supporters bringing out the challenges that have nothing to do with it from a bygone era, literally half a decade or so ago, um, and, and bringing it up. Um, later on in the week, obviously, it's an international break. We're, we're looking at doing a podcast looking at the future of football, and obviously there's been some comments in recent weeks from a certain, uh, certain owner who's recently arrived at a big club in the Premier League about what, what we can do to reinvent the English game. There's also reports of UEFA taking Champions League games away from Europe and we'll discuss all of that a little bit later on and the sort of effects it could have on English football culture however as you mentioned one thing I do not understand at all and I stuck a tweet out about it why and I get I get it I understand why but I don't understand why if that makes sense English football fans clapping off a player who's just been sent off for a horrible tackle sort of sort of parading him as if he's a martyr when you've just cost you because it cost it cost Wolves a chance of a point, and actually I think when they went down to ten men they played better, but that's a different story. But I just I don't get it. I don't get it. Do you do you get that in the US? That if if a player is sort of made a mistake, or I don't know if you have just sin bins, is that really sort of uh, presumptuous of me to 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 say that? I, I don't exactly know US sports and, and what is the equivalent to getting a red card, but it's a weird facet of English football fandom. Well, there's not really any – in U.S. sports, there's not really any equivalent other than obviously in Major League Soccer. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, of Because, course. you know, in the NFL, for, for instance, in the NFL this past weekend, there was a big fist fight between teams and a bunch of players got ejected. But those those teams don't now like go down three or four right, men. They, re- right. they replace those players with other players. The game is still 11 v. 11. Um, and, and like you mentioned, the sin bin in hockey. So – yeah, that that's something I haven't experienced live in any major league soccer stadiums. Is mm. is a player seemingly um, praised for their idiocy? Um, <laughs> it's mad. I don't get it. I, yeah. I, I don't understand. I, it's some sort of like, is it sympathy? Is it praise? I, I don't know what. Like we, you're trying your hardest and you screwed up, and therefore we feel for yeah. you and and will. I, I don't. I don't quite get it. It's stupid. Yeah, you know, yeah. you saw it in the you saw it in the Atletico Madrid game this past weekend. Like, um, you know, they get a late goal back and they're chasing the game, and and they have a player sent off because he's got a bit gully and wanted to scrap in the final few minutes. And it's like, <laughs> if that was my own player, I'd be livid. 
Mm, I say, what, yeah. the, what, if, what the fuck are you doing? We're, we're, we're a goal down and you're going for a scrap when we've got an, an attacking corner. Like, it, yeah, yeah. I, I don't quite get it. But um, listen, I'm not English. I'm not a, a match-going fan week in, week out. Maybe there's some sort of unwritten law in mm. English football culture that you have to applaud idiots. Um, mm. But yeah, it doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I, I suppose the caveat is when those Wolves supporters get home, they watch Match of the Day or they watch the highlights, they see of, of just how bad a tackle it is. I, I sort of make exceptions when it's a, a soft second yellow card and the referees maybe had a decision to make and they've got made the wrong one and you know you can feel the injustice. But for that, it, for anyone on that side of the ground or, or anyone who had a decent view of that, there should be absolutely no complaints. It was, you know, genuinely you could make a, a case for it having an extra extra sort of game ban on top of it it was that bad a tackle and i think uh yeah i think i would say it's violent conduct yeah 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 certainly which i think it, is is the you know the three game ban so yeah yeah um yeah definitely and, and i mean it could have led to a really nasty injury for jack grealish who i guess will wrap up on the wolves chat with we've had a question from joe ricci um his twitter handle at views of a blue and he's asked us who is the best player in the Premier League and why is it Jack Grealish? Now, there was an awful lot of chatter in the build-up to this game, of course, both from City fan bases online and in the wider media too. A goal after 55 seconds is a pretty impressive way to shut those cr- critics up, though, isn't it? It was. And, yeah, I mean, about the about the criticism in the week, it was somewhat understandable in the days after the Borussia Dortmund mm. performance, because I don't think he was very good in that game. Now, I put out a tweet after that that the issue with Jack Grealish is for some, you know, we've spoken about this at extreme length at this point. Mm. Um, but a good performance from him doesn't really, doesn't always result in goals and assists. A bad performance certainly doesn't result in goals and assists. So, it's almost like he's completely in a lose-lose situation to mm. shut the critics up because what we believe, and there are, there's now some evidence from within the club to kind of back up our belief about what his role is, what he's asked to do, and what his, his skill set is in this city squad, um, that he's doing a superb job of that. Um, and we can come on to the the article in The Athletic a little bit later on in this discussion. But it was great to see him get on the scoreline, and, and obviously that's what he needs to do in order to shut the critics up, unfortunately. Um, but you can say that the criticism, at least about the Dortmund performance, was understandable. But for whatever reason, he's soloed out when Mares was horrible, mm. uh, De Bruyne mm. was horrible, Gundogan was horrible. Um, Holland didn't do all that much until the goal at the end. So why he's become the scapegoat, whether it's the price tag or you know the fact that he kind of people think he's this sort of pretty boy party animal kind of thing, and those t- those types of players tend to get more criticism off the pitch. You look at Neymar, somebody like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's unfortunate that he's become the scapegoat, and um, I fear there's nothing that he can do except for score. 15 goals and 15 mm. assists every year, which is never going to happen. Sorry, it's never going to happen. Um, but yeah, it's it's unfortunate. 
Yeah, and and even still, there'd be some who who found ways to criticise him. It felt in the week, actually. I don't know. There's a lot of transatlantic comparisons going on, so I don't know if this, this is the case for for American listeners or, or those from outside of England. Um, but but in the UK, when a when a, a high ranking politician has a little bit of trouble in the media, the sort of the wheel out, especially the government, the, the wheel out the sort of the prime minister, the the chancellor, the, uh, the the home secretary to come and back them up, and it felt like that in the week for Jack Grealish. She had Pep defending him in press conferences. She had Kevin De Bruyne coming out and doing interviews. It felt like a real rallying call from that media criticism. And then obviously 55 seconds and he scores a really good goal. Don't say, you know, if Haaland scores that, we're praising the, the movement, we're praising the ability to get into that position. But obviously he then spoke after the game and, and it was weird. She had two different voices. She had uh, Jack Grealish to, to the BT Sports cameras saying, yeah, you know what? I can score more goals. I should be scoring more goals. And then you had De Bruyne going, it's not his job to score more goals. And I think realistically, as we've said a number of times, it's somewhere in the middle. In this team, could he be getting 10 goals a season? Certainly. He's, he's got the quality. But equally at the same time, as, as you alluded to, the Athletic article from Sam Lee and, and others sort of explaining what his role is in the team. And um, it, it was a case of his role is to, to sort of hold position, stretch the pitch as much as possible, make those quote-unquote simple passes to players who are in space because he draws so much attention from defenders. It, it, it's remarkable. Just just watch him on the ball, he, the, the, the amount of space he draws. And that's why you get someone like Bernardo Silva being able to wriggle the way through uh, an open and stretched defence. Or you get Rodri being able to squeeze shots from 20 yards out 25 yards out rocketing them in the top corner if you define his his performances by goals and assists you're going to be left disappointed but it's sort of this evolution of player positions for me I feel he's not a winger although his FIFA ultimate team card might have left wing in the corner he's not a winger and we've spoken like you say at length about this so we'll, we'll, we'll sort of wrap it up there but it's nice to see him get the goals and assists but for me same rules apply he could have had a stinker and scored, or he could have not scored. Like it, like Sevilla, for example, thought he was really good, but he didn't get a goal. Yet he's getting more praise off the back of a, a, a good performance, obviously, getting a goal. It, it's about finding that middle ground, I think, for, from, from City supporters. And when you've got Haaland scoring for days, it doesn't really matter if Grealish doesn't get a hat-trick every week. Well, yeah, and, and you know, a point you've made on the show before, which I think is spot on, if he was a £30 million you know, Portuguese mm. or Spanish, <laughs> you know, forward, inside forward or winger, whatever you want to call him. And he comes to City and he's a tempo setter. He's somebody that carries the ball, draws men in, and then, you know, releases it to players further up the pitch, like De Bruyne, Cancelo, players like that. We would think that we have got this perfect Pep Guardiola player, mm. you know, this Jack Grilino who, you know, started <laughs> started his career. At, yeah. yeah. Started his career at Hetafe, went on and, you know, learned whatever, like learned the the champagne football and he's just this yeah. tempo setting forward. We'd love him. But that's yeah. the, the, the issue for him is he's a hundred million pound lad from Birmingham and we expect him to be, I don't know, Wayne Rooney or something like mm. some high scoring kind of all action forward, but he's not. He, he's somebody that he sets the tempo. He draws players in and, and, one thing that um, Phil Foden has gotten a lot of criticism from Pep Guardiola himself over the years is that he doesn't know when to take the tempo down. That yep. he gets the ball and he is a live wire and he's looking to take men on and go straight to goal. 
Jack Grealish understands situations. His football mm. IQ is unreal. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. He is his level of football IQ is so important to this city side because he can get the ball and he can look up and say, right, we don't have the numbers here. I need to put my foot on top of the ball, let my midfielders come in. I'm going to draw a couple men in and then we go. But we have players yeah. that don't understand that, like Phil Foden. Um, you know, Riyad Mahrez, I think, is very good at that as well. But there are things that he does that, and this is not supposed to sound like football snobbery. There are things that he does that the average football fan is not going to understand its importance of. Yeah. yeah. And there, those things are so important and so unspoken, but without it, City would be sorely lacking that. So... To me, it's so his role is so simple, but I don't know if that's from just watching so much football for so long. But to me, it's so simple what he does, and to not understand that, it's great that we've now got Pep coming out and and these articles in the Athletic to kind of be like, this is exactly what the manager has told him to do. And when you see what the manager has told him to do, you'd be like, yeah, check that box, check that box, check. He's doing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, should he score more goals? Yes. Should he have more assists? Yes. We, we we spoke about his numbers before. I think at Villa was somewhere around eight goals and nine assists on average per season. Can he get to that mark? Probably yes. Um, but what he's asked to do, he does perfectly well. And I think at this point, we're many years into trusting Pep Guardiola. And if this is what he wants out of the player, we have to trust that this is what he wants out of the player. Uh, yeah. Nothing really more to add to that other than the fact that if Pep wasn't happy with Jack Grealish, quite simply put, he wouldn't be playing football. And even after a bad performance against Borussia Dortmund, as Grealish alluded to in his interview, he's back on the pitch and and repays that trust. So um, I think that will do for part one. We'll be back after a very short break to discuss another Englishman, Calvin Phillips' injury woes, and answer some listener questions. Right then, Calvin Phillips. It's been a hugely frustrating start to life in a City shirt for Phillips. Having only made a handful of appearances primarily off the bench, apart from that one start in Barcelona, which led to another injury as well, he's set to have surgery on a shoulder on a shoulder injury that's caused him a number of problems throughout his career. Um, now, there was another article in The Athletic. There's a lot of athletic plugs in this episode today, but it's a great place to go and get your football news. Again, if anyone wants to sponsor us, you know where we are. Um, but he firstly dislocated it in October 2020, then again in May 2021. Uh, whilst he was a Leeds player, of, cl- uh, of course. And it, it's clearly a recurring issue that him, the City medical team, and any sort of wider family, I'm guessing, his wider entourage, have decided now is the time to go for surgery. It's happened three or four times, which is which is an issue. Um, the more it happens, I'm led to believe, I'm not a medical professional, but the more it happens, the harder it is to properly heal, etc., etc. Um, it's not ideal, is it, from a player point of view? It's not ideal from a City point of view, but heading into such a busy schedule it does pose a little bit of a headache it does and um it's really it's really frustrating um i've been really looking forward to seeing him play and and obviously that that rodri role or fernandinho mm-hmm. role um is so important to the way the city play and when you've got somebody that you feel like can do it well um it's really exciting so it's been really disheartening to not be able to see him play um the good news is is there's a lot of these types of injuries, like you mentioned, that players can kind of 
not shake off, but they're they're recurring injuries and players probably for whatever reason don't want to get a more long-term solution mm-hmm. like an operation because you're missing more football and um you know there's all sorts of these pressures on players making world cup squads euro squads and and it's hard for players to miss miss playing time um so i think the good news is is that hopefully this is a permanent fix and he comes back he recovers and then then we have the betting in period and and you know his his time at city might take a full season to get him up to speed and that's a real shame and a bit worrying given the fact that he's naturally only Rodri's only cover. I mean, we're going to discuss what other options there are and how, how to cover for Rodri if he can't play. Um, but yeah, I think the hope is just, this is a long-term solution. And, um, you know, there's a lot of injuries like this knee injuries, ankle injuries where players can get quick fixes to get back out there. Um, and then do it all over again, do it all over again. And then mm-hmm. hopefully this is a permanent fix. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you know, he's not young. He's not old. He's, uh, I believe, twenty six, tw- turning twenty seven in December. So you know, he's he's come to City. He wouldn't have he wouldn't have hoped or expected this delay to his start. And and I mean, it's a bitter blow, isn't it? Because you feel like he's someone who is not that it matters, not that it makes a difference. But you feel like he's someone who is a really really nice guy. And there was that fantastic Inside City episode following his arrival, where he was walking around the food hall. He was speaking to catering staff. He was, I think, he even called one of the 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 dinner ladies quote unquote love and you know obviously that really nice Yorkshire charm and he's a he's someone who always seems to have a a big smile on his face and it would have been a massive decision to leave Leeds his boiled club I mean I've walked around the city centre a couple of times and and there's a mural of him there and and this is a player who like I said is still in his in his prime essentially and to get that sort of that uh, adulation is pretty mad but obviously, really unfortunate injury. You hope the surgery goes well and it is, like you say, a, a case of getting back into the team. It, it probably is going to take a season at this point, let's be honest, especially with the World Cup in the way. We're probably not going to see him start a game before that. I'd, I'd be surprised if he did. Certainly not a league game. Um, and uh, like you say, we'll we'll touch on those options now because for the team, it, it does pose a headache and a tactical headache as well. We've had this question from Law Lass, which I'll I'll let you take on first. Um, they've asked, what do you see as our best option to give Rodri rests without Calvin Phillips in the team for an extended period of time? I think if you're going for um, no systematic change, the obvious, I won't call it like for like, but the closest thing to a like for like is Ilkay Gundogan. Um, he doesn't do that role as well as Rodri or mm. Fernandinho or probably even Phillips would, but he can do it. We saw it in the title run in in 2019. Um, I think Fernandinho was out for the the back end of that season, and um, Gundogan played that role. And obviously, we went on to win you know 14 straight and take home the title. Um, so I have I would have full trust in Gundogan doing that. <clears throat> It's a shame because Gundogan's such been such an important player further up the pitch mm. this year so far. Um, but if you're looking elsewhere, and this is where I think our deadline week signings come in of Akanji and Sergio Gomez, I think there's probably now um, space in the squad to play some sort of 3-5-2, um, something like that. And that gives you a bit more cover further back in having three center backs um, and having a back five. And you can probably play, you know, like Gundogan and Bernardo in 
more centrally and then have, you know, De Bruyne pushing forward, however, however you want to set it up, but you can kind of pack the midfield a little bit more and have that back three or back five, however you want to call it to provide a little bit more cover. So um, obviously there was tons of chat about a potential back three when we signed a Kanji and when we have mm. all of our center backs fit and we have five class center backs, then that's, that's a great option to have. So I think that's probably, I can't think of any other options. Obviously Bernardo Silva can, can play a further, further deeper back, uh, further back in, in the mid, <laughs> that didn't make any sense, but <laughs> I think Bernardo Silva can play a bit further back and provide a little bit more cover. We know he can do that. And we see that in the bigger games where he almost plays in a midfield two with Rodri. Um, but I think that's probably your options there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. For me, I think the simple answer is it will probably look a lot like it did for most of last season. Um, I mean, I've said quite a few times for last season for Fernandinho felt quite ceremonial in a sense. It felt like there was a lot of um, a lot of token minutes being given to him, especially in big matches until the end of the season when it was a necessity he played. But you're going to have Rodri playing an awful lot of football between now and the start of the World Cup. Obviously, like I said, you're hoping Phillips is back um, after the World Cup. So we'll, we'll wait and see if anything changes. But I reckon it will look a lot like it did last year and sort of just fingers crossed wood touched basically Rodri doesn't get injured um we had a we had a follow-up from Joe Ricci who, who's really getting his questions in today which we would love to say um but they asked is it more likely in those games where no rotation is necessary if we do see a, a shift in system like you said the full question read do you see a scenario where it's not just one person who comes in and out the squad so like you say is it not just a case of Rodri being swapped out for for Gundogan but rather a slight system change i.e. Bernardo and Gundogan both uh, Gundogan Bernardo and Gundogan both sitting deep back free etc now you covered that slightly so I guess I'll ask you this question um to, to, to sort of build up on that what would your ideal back free given all five centre backs are fit what, what would your ideal back free look like and who would play in front of them in a midfield if there was to be a system change if everybody is fit um it would be Laporte on the left Diaz in the middle and at this point, I'm going to stick my neck out here and say, I don't care whether it's a kanji or stones on the right. I would okay. be happy with both. Um, that would be my center back trio. And then Kyle Walker can play some back three, uh, center back in a back three. We've seen him do it for England. Um, and then, you know, maybe you have more natural width from Cancelo on the right, Gomez on the left. Um so that is probably it. But with these center backs, I mean, I don't think there's a center back in the senior squad that gives me um, that I have less faith in than any other. At this point, I have so much trust in all of the center backs that I don't care what the duo is. Whereas maybe in years past, we felt like, oh, I'd, you know, I'd rather play Stones play play in this mm. game or or Laporte play in that game. Um, I don't care at this point. I, I have so much trust in every single one of those center backs that I almost don't even need to look at the back four when when a lineup <laughs> is announced. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that completely. Um, and obviously a big part of that, I suppose, last three matches has been the addition of Manuel Akanji. Um, Oli and I sort of gave our uh, immediate opinions on him after the Borussia Dortmund game. You, you were absent for that. You, you were up a mountain again somewhere, which is turning into a habit, escaping escaping me, of course. Um, but 
we've had a question actually from Radar2HZ who, who basically asked us for our Akanji opinions, obviously got another 90 minutes and another clean sheet on Saturday. They said they thought he's looked quite good, both offensively and defensively, had some tackles to make against Wolves and he did his work well. In my opinion, his ability to pass out from the back took me, took me by surprise. He looked unusually confident for a new player in a pep squad. I think that sort of sums it up quite perfectly, doesn't it? Um, for me, though, against Wolves, and I don't know if it's a question mark, we'll have to wait and see, but there was an element of rashness about his game at times, I thought. There was a half shout for a penalty, I felt like. Um, I, I don't know if it was on on Gonzalo Guides or whether it was on Pedence, I can't remember. The second one, absolutely no chance. It, was, it wasn't a penalty, he did well. But there was a sort of... It felt a little bit Otamendi-esque, if that makes sense, in the case that he, he likes to get on the front foot and defend, which is great. It's a great skill to have. But in the Premier League, when you've got nippy wingers, it, you can sort of just get caught up a little bit. Other than that, flawless start. Yeah, I... In, in full speed, at the speed of play, some of them looked a little bit iffy. But then when you see the... The, mm. the slow motion replays of them and and the commentary team on the U.S. broadcast shrugged off both. They said, "Yeah, that's yeah. just shoulder to shoulder challenge." Um, and Akanji won the challenges, but I won't give him the Otamendi tag because he doesn't come running out and and go studs up from like a yeah. hundred feet away. Nathan Collins esque. Um, <laughs> yes, um, I think he's absolute silk. I genuinely, I'm in, I'm in love with him. I, I, I want to see him, and I want to see him in the starting lineup every single game. And and anyone who's followed his career from when he signed to Borussia Dortmund as maybe 20, 21 or twenty year old, um, yeah, this was Basel, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, this was the player that people mm. expected to see. The issue was he went to Dortmund in a really weird period where after Tuchel it was kind of a dumpster fire and still is to this day. Um, and he was another player that was stuck in a shitty system, uh, shitty environment, uh, dealing with a lot of injuries because he's a Borussia Dortmund player, and that's just part, uh, you know, part of it at Borussia Dortmund. Um, but anyone who's kind of saw where he saw his stealing, um, we know that he could be this good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not totally surprised. I'm surprised that he fit in so seamlessly. Um, I would expect him maybe to be playing like this a year down the road or, or six months down the road, but he fit in like a glove so far. And um, I think he's, I'm not going to give him the Rolls Royce tag, but I think that he is absolute class. I, I would say that he's probably the same level as John Stones. That's that's how I see him. Wow. Wow. And that's a player who, who some would describe as City's best centre-half, sort of all-around centre-half. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. I, I suppose I'll... I, I, I will just say that there, there was one or two elements of rustiness. Is I guess is what I'll describe it. It's not. It's not a sort of. It's not an, an issue. It's just a case of the Premier League is 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 like unlike any other league as as you mentioned before. It's just the way it is. And, and I suppose La Liga is different. Serie A is different. Bundesliga is different. There's lots of different things that you have to accustom to when you join a new league, and, and especially as a centre half in a Pep Guardiola system. It's it's one of the most demanding jobs, probably alongside um, a midfielder or, or wing positions, as we've mentioned. I wonder what the the step down from a Rolls Royce is in terms of automobiles. Are we looking at like a a BMW, an Audi? Is that the sort of I don't I don't for? really know cars. Right, to be okay, honest, so that, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't so. like cars. I don't like nice cars. <laughs> I think they like. 
I, in fact, I get actively annoyed when I drive around my neighborhood and I see me and my Honda Civic and somebody in like a $60,000 car. And it's like, you're just going to work and the grocery store just <laughs> like me. But you paid a lot more than I would ever need to for this. So you feel like the fool. Wow. I, I should, I should, I, it was only an innocent question. I feel like I've, I've properly... Yeah, you've, you've, properly. Really, you've opened a can of worms here because yeah. I, I yeah. genuinely dislike nice cars <laughs> and people who own them. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, note to self: never ask a question about cars. You brought you brought it up. Um, right. Okay. It, it's been it's been a, a centre half heavy uh, podcast, and, and we'll finish it off with one more question on on a centre half or centre half. Sorry, it comes from Dan McGee, um, and and that's like a shortened surname. That's not just me calling him G, a, a gangster or whatever. That 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 was that was the the Twitter handle. Um, what does our centre-back hierarchy look like when all are fit? Do you think Ake slash Laporte at left-back and Stones slash Akanji at right-back is going to happen a lot more this season with Kyle Walker getting older and obviously a little bit more injury-prone as well? So if we're to sort of, for, for the benefit of the tape, I'm, I'm imagining a triangle in my hand. If you've got the sort of, it's been quite a monarch heavy week in the UK. So if you've got a, a sort of the king of the centre halves, and then sort of filtering down beneath him, his subjects, his uh, his men in waiting. What would you say in terms of if you had to the centre back hierarchy is looking like at the moment? Well, hopefully the king of our centre backs has better looking hands. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's all I'll say about the king. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Those things scared scared the living daylights out of me when I saw them. Um, I'll I'll try and rank from one to. It's going to be really really difficult because, as I said before, I I see them almost all yeah. on a level playing field. I, I have so much trust in all of them. Do we say Ruben gonna, Diaz is top? I think that sounds fair enough, doesn't it? He's probably the first on the team sheet. Whatever the yeah, the I think I think this is this is how I'll do this. Is if because they all have different attributes as well, mm, which makes this true. difficult. It's they're very different types of center backs that we have in this squad, and that's on purpose. Um, I think in matter of importance, in order of importance, I think it goes Diaz, Laporte, Stones, Akanji, Ake, and when Ooh. I say they are a clusterfuck. Yeah. There's no, there's very, very, I hesitate even ranking them one, two, three, four, and five. Yeah. I, I want it to be more like 1.1, 1.2, and 1. yeah. 1.3 almost. Um, that's what I'd go with. But like I said, play Ake and Akanji, who are my, you know, fourth and fifth on that list. And I am absolutely happy with that. Mm, yeah. I mean, you look through the Premier League table, Nathan Ake, Manuel Akanji probably starts for what, 17? Out of those twenty teams, I mean, I I would say Akanji, 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 and Ake both start over any Virgil Van Dyke partner. Um, I think maybe only Chelsea they don't get into. Really? Because I was thinking Arsenal. I, I think Arsenal have got something good going on with Saliba and Gabriel. I'm not quite. Yeah, sure. they've got I'm something not, good going sold. on. I don't think they're better individual players. Interesting. Interesting. I, 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 I'm not sold on Chelsea. I know this has gone on a, a real sort of off on a tangent, but I'm still not sold on on Chelsea's defense. I think, I think it, I'm it, just looking at just wider individual. Home. Yes, I'm just looking at wider individual quality. But maybe right. I am stuck in a bit of uh, wave of nostalgia here with Thiago Silva and yeah. Koulibaly. 
yeah, it's it's easy to be to be fair. Um, right, okay, we, we've covered an awful lot. We've uh, we, we've turned the city centre half into a monarchy. We've uh, discovered your absolute detesting hate for for luxury cars, and and that's one to never be mentioned again. Um, let me hold on. Let me put it. Let me <laughs> let me put a caveat in here. I, I'm not quite sure we're allowed. I, I'm not quite sure you'll you'll get us taken down. I like people who drive nice cars if they utilize the things that make that car nicer than mine what? when it's ju- does that that make that makes total sense but when What's i like especially listen, especially growing up where i where i grew up i grew up right outside of dc so like you can imagine the type of people with all of our government running out of dc yeah, you can imagine yeah. the type of people that would be kind of in and around my area um the amount of people that I know firsthand that had like, and this is not a flex and this was not my family, but families that I knew that had like $60,000 cars, but right. only drove them to work, drop the kids off at school and go home and never went five miles ah, per hour over the speed limit. Right. Those people drive me absolutely nuts. Right. Yeah. That that makes a little more sense now. I see where you're coming from. Because um, I see them just as 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 like a status of wealth. Yeah. 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 Basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can. I can. Look at the see look that. at the thing that I can afford, even though I use it the same way that you use your fifteen thousand dollar used Honda. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Shall we wrap up? Are you sure? Do we want to talk about socioeconomics a little bit more? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In part two of today's podcast, maybe. Um, But in terms of the football, that will do. Obviously, international break is upon us. Big sigh from the crowd. But um, unpopular opinion, I don't actually mind international breaks. But we'll we'll keep the episodes coming. Um, Adam, it's been a pleasure. Yes, it has been. Um, I'm going to go take my Civic and go to the grocery store after this <laughs> and laugh at the people with Teslas that also just went to the grocery store today. Yeah, and I'll take my Volkswagen Polo and do the same. Um, this has been the City Report podcast, although it may not seem it. It's not been an automobile podcast. It has been the City Report podcast. Quickly, I've not actually mentioned it yet. If you're still here, Instagram, City Report Pod. We've started an account. Go over there and follow it. It's exactly the same. Well, it's not exactly the same as our Twitter, but it's close to our Twitter. It's just on a different app. It'd be great to see you go over and show some love. Um, you can follow Adam and I as well. We're both on there. Um, I've recently gone public, got a new account. I've, I've come from behind the shadows of a private account. and uh, I got a new account public. as well. I've... I have forsaken everybody from my past, like, you know, high school people and childhood people. And now I just, I've made my Instagram more like my Twitter feed, essentially. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You and I both. Um, Right. Okay. I guess that'll do for today. Um, If you can hit like, subscribe, all that lovely business, it'll be great. And until next time, we'll see you later. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. 
If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.